and welcome back to Novel Gaming, a podcast about video games and books with an invasion of <gasps> other pop culture. I'm Doug. I'm Katie, and it's a book club episode. Hey. We read 2019's The Lesson, which is the debut novel by Caldwell Turnbull. This book explores an alien invasion in the U.S. Virgin Islands. But before we get into all that happens, because <laughs> uh, a lot a lot happens, uh-huh. uh, let's check in on what we've been playing, watching, or thinking about lately. So, Doug. Hi. What you been playing? Oh, you know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> A lot of Pokemon. Pokemon. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I did. I did start playing something else so that I can talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be, to- if I'm being totally honest with myself and with you know everybody else, mm-hmm. I've just been mm-hmm. playing so much Pokemon. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I recently, in addition to like keeping up with raids um, as they drop um, and doing like little mini tournaments with my raid group, um, I did. <laughs> did start playing pokemon violet um i started uh with scarlet at launch so i've already Mm. dumped hundreds of hours into scarlet and then i thought you know what would be a great idea what if i play pokemon violet uh (laughs) the same game (laughs) but slightly different uh amazing I mean, I knew I would eventually want to play it because at this point I usually do play both versions at some right. point um, and not usually concurrently, but usually I'll play the other version eventually. Um, and this time around, because of how Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet are structured, I was like, how do I want to play the second game? Because, it, you know, it's it's everything's pretty oh, open. Oh, yeah. You can go and wherever. it's Right. You can kind of go wherever and it's pretty big and you can do things in any order. Um, and so you have a bit more choice. Um, and also it it felt weird to just be like, OK, I've experienced this game for hundreds of hours. Let's just do it all over again. Like there right. wasn't really a point to that to me, but I did want to play Violet. So I decided to like build myself a challenge. I built myself a hard mode, uh, basically. Um, it's not a Nuzlocke or any of the famous ones. I brewed it myself. Hell yeah. Um, and it, it primarily focuses on um, trying to tackle the gym leaders kind of where they're at as opposed to trying to over level and overpower them. Right. Oh. So without going into like all the rules I made up for myself, the idea is that you can only challenge gym leaders with as many Pokemon as they use, because oh, that shit. actually makes way more sense. Doug, um, that's and, hard. Yeah. And I have to be level scaled to them. So oh, no, that's um, extra hard then. I know. So I've done a couple and honestly it's working out, kind of how I had hoped because it makes me have to think more strategically about tackling each gym leader. Yeah. Um, I also put a couple other rules on it to to make sure that I wasn't still just like overpowering everybody. I want to think about it strategically. So the very first gym leader most people tackle in this game, her name is Katie. Hey. Oh, great um, name. And she uses bug Pokemon. And I didn't want to just roll up with like three fire Pokemon, because that wouldn't really be in the spirit of what I'm trying to do. I would still just steamroll her, right? Right. So I have some other rules that like try to keep me balanced and whatnot, and I was really happy with how that 
that first one turned out. So I was like, okay, I think I'm on the right track. I, you know, it went back and forth a little bit. I felt like nervous playing a gym leader, which I feel like I haven't <laughs> yeah, felt the in last a time? really long time. Right. Um, and I feel like I had to think more about, you know, what she was going to use and what I was going to use, which in this game where there's so much going on, uh, I think is good. Cause there are definitely some gym leaders that I played uh, the first time around that I just don't remember at all. And that's kind of a bummer because like they're fun characters and, you know, I want to I want to remember them. You know, I'm trying to create <laughs> memories here. <laughs> so that's most of what I've been playing, if we're being honest. Uh, but I did I did start playing one of the uh, May PlayStation Plus free games because uh, I was so intrigued as to what uh, this game possibly could be. And I'm so curious to know if you're aware of it or perhaps have even played it. Mm-hmm. It is called Descenders Extreme Procedural Free Riding. I have not heard of this and I have definitely not played it. And I am so interested <laughs> in what the hell it is. Can you tell from the name Descenders Extreme Procedural Free Riding what this game even could be about? <laughs> it- Something about going downhill. Uh-huh. Are you on a bike or uh-huh. some sort of... It's a bike? Yeah, it's downhill biking. <laughs> oh, shit. What a wild-ass name. Yeah, I don't know why it's not called something better, but um, <laughs> it's it's actually kind of an interesting game. I wish I had had more time to play it. Or, okay, let's be real. I wish I had made more time to play it mm-hmm. um, instead mm-hmm. of playing so much Pokemon because it is kind of fascinating. I wasn't really sure what to expect. Uh, it is all procedurally generated downhill outdoor biking trails, right? So, like, you you can't learn the tracks like you would in, mm-hmm. you know, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater mm-hmm. or any of those other type of extreme sports games. It is always new. Um, and what I that part I knew. What I didn't realize is that it's almost like using the word roguelike is maybe not the right term, but I wouldn't be surprised if some people used it. Basically, you end up like you start on one track. And if you succeed in, uh, you know, meeting the conditions, sometimes it's like complete the track in this much time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like do this these types of tricks. Sometimes it's make these types of jumps. If you succeed at meeting the conditions, then you like advance to another track. And there's usually like forks in the road. Um, and as you complete things, uh, you might earn like what are called, I think they're just called teammates or team members who give you like boons, kind of like you would get in Hades. Ah. Um, And you have a certain number of, for lack of a better term, lives. They just call it your health, which is how many times you can bail, essentially. Um, And within a run? Within a full run, not just one track. So like, if you only have four health and you go through four different tracks and bail once on each one, your whole run is over. So like, in the same way where like you have lives in Hades or you have a health bar in Hades, but you can continue advancing through different like stages. Mm. You do this, but you're doing downhill bike riding. That is wild. (laughs) Yeah. And you get like a choice of like when you meet a teammate, you get to choose like what they do. So like maybe you have them smooth out turns. Maybe you have them, uh, like get rid of obstacles on the course so that there aren't like fallen trees to avoid or like, the tumbleweed for like you know like things that you can that can mess you up right um and uh and i just was like i'm honestly shocked 
that this game is so much cooler than I thought it would be. I know that's terrible, yeah. but like, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it sounds really cool. And I'm so like, can you, because uh, in roguelites and stuff, sometimes you yeah. can get health or lives, right? As you are playing. Is that yeah. something that like you can get? What yes, is, you can earn what health lives back. Like? So like, Energy I think you drinks? start with like four health or three or four health or something, which means that's how many times you can bail. And sometimes the condition, like if you meet the condition, you get plus one back, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you're like choosing which direction to go, it'll usually tell you like, is this an opportunity where you can gain health back or is this not, you know? So sometimes you see it happening, but you can't see like all the way in front of you. Like you can only see like one stage ahead of you. So you only see the choices you have, or you could get a boom that lets you see like further out. So I don't know. It's, <laughs> I was like really surprised. That's so interesting. And I honestly, totally, to be totally transparent, I fully was like, let me see what the, the games are this month so I have something a little bit more relevant to talk about than just playing Pokemon for 100 more hours. Um, that was like why I played it. But now I'm kind of like, I want to see if I can complete a run. Like, I mean... <laughs> I'm inter- I'm going to get this game. Like yeah. I am going to play it. It sounds super interesting. And like so I know on skateboards you can ollie. Is there a yeah. what is is there a can you jump on a bike? Like you yeah, ollie on a, a skateboard? Hop. A bunny hop. It's yeah. been a long time since the BMX <laughs> video games. So I know. What was it? Dave Mira? Yeah, uh, absolutely. BMX biking. <laughs> a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um Damn. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, there is definitely a learning curve because uh, it's not just like button combo for a trick um, because it's not you're not doing like wild tricks or anything. It's literally just like how you move your bike. So any sort of trick they ask you to do, you use with the exact same controls as you use to steer or like turn. So that's a little bit challenging, but it's not too bad. Like I can do backflips all day in that game, you know? Hell yeah. So it's not like impossible. Um, It's more just like training yourself to know what you know combo of movements you need to do with the analog sticks instead of with buttons how interesting how cool yeah i know one thing so far because i'm sure you're curious um you can earn new gear oh hell uh, yeah but i don't know if you can like buy new gear there's something that you get called rep which looks like currency um Mm -hmm. but i haven't figured out where you can apply that yet uh, I just haven't played long enough. I think don't have much. Uh, I don't know if you yet. like. I I'm guessing you use it to earn sponsorships more so than to like earn gear. Uh, but who knows? And you, there is a little bit of like character customization. You can kind of choose what they look like a little bit, but you're covered in gear, so you only see so much. Was going to be yeah. my next question. Can you yeah. customize? So the gear, can you customize yeah. your bike colors and patterns and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff too? Amazing. Yeah cool you earn like new frames and stuff like that so or whatever like bike frame right that's what it's called yeah nailed it yeah 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 so honestly was surprised at how cool it is i think you will also enjoy it yeah it sounds like (laughs) something i I would be into (laughs) right when i when i loaded up the game i was like oh no this looks like maybe not maybe this is a bad choice maybe i won't (laughs) be able to talk about this but it ended up being a lot more fun than i thought and say the name for me one more time the only part you need to remember is descenders I just think okay. the full name is so fucking funny because it's that, yeah. Descenders Extreme Procedural Freeriding. <laughs> and I just feel like those words together don't so mean good. anything. Although yeah. you figured it out. <laughs> well, I, it really, I had to, 
I had to break it apart into sections altogether. It just sounds like nonsense. I can't even remember what the name of it is, and you just said it. Also, why not just call it Descenders Freeriding? That's like a the much extreme name? procedural part you don't need. <laughs> I understand like it's a procedurally generated game, but like you don't call like Minecraft like you know progressive procedural building game extreme procedural building <laughs> it feels when you said procedural i was like is there a storyline oh. some sort of drama in it you know you're like a bike bike detective yeah something <laughs> something like that'd that. be amazing too i would play that for sure yeah yeah <laughs> well are you playing the uh the extreme biking detective game I'm going to be after this conversation, Um, but I am playing, (laughs) uh, it came out earlier this year and it Mm -hmm. had a lot of hype around it for like a short amount of time. And then I think it's been like pretty radio silent about it, but Mm -hmm. it's called Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, wait, what is this? This game sounds so familiar. Yeah, because I think it came out in like February, maybe. And for like a couple weeks, everybody was like, ah, Hi-Fi Rush. And what it is, is it's a rhythm-based action game. This game looked so cool. Is it cool? It is cool. It's also (laughs) very much like early 2000s indie rock. Like that is the soundtrack. Uh, the Black Keys are like a band that is featured for a boss battle. So the levels, they're kind of, uh, they have stages and they take, for me, it's taking, you know, 45 minutes to like an hour-ish to complete a stage. And then you Damn. go back to a little home base and you go back into another stage. And throughout the stages, they just have like kind of generic beat rock beat type of thing where Mm -hmm. when you like hit or jump it'll like toss in a note that's like a guitar riff or something but then when you get to the boss battles they put in like licensed songs though they have a a licensed free version for like streamers so it doesn't play the licensed songs Mm -hmm. um but all the all the songs are like indie rock of the early 2000s oh my gosh Uh, so it's amazing yeah a little blast to the past as i'm like beating up corporate robot people so it's cool i uh i'm not super far into it the main character i think is supposed to be a little annoying um (laughs) but i think he's chilling out a little bit but he's definitely like like a doofy shonen protagonist vibes right I I don't know what that means exactly. It's like um like uh like action like action anime like boy if I try hard enough I can win anything type character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like but an also, Ash him or a Goku. But dumb. <laughs> I would like, argue the... both of those characters are pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel Fair you, enough. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like explicitly where like people are like, you are dumb, right? Yeah. Like oh, interesting. type of thing. Yeah. So core characteristic, unintelligent protagonist. Yes. Yes, basically. Uh, So, yeah, it's pretty fun and I'm excited to keep playing it. And I've been I started playing it because I got it while it was on sale. But I have been 
mostly still playing Breath of the Wild. So I started playing it so that I too would have something different to talk about uh, on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny. I, you know, since you mentioned Breath of the Wild, I was potentially going to bring this up with thinking about, but I do think it is worth mentioning right here. And maybe as we transition into to watching stuff, mm-hmm. I'm sure just based on our recording schedule and episode drop schedule, someone will listen to this and be like, how are they not talking about Tears of the Kingdom right. or RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star? eight here's the deal we haven't had time to consume those based on a recording schedule even though you've probably had plenty of time to watch and play that when this episode drops so we are not ignoring uh two of our like favorite franchises we just time travel you know podcasting is time travel we like to give ourselves time (laughs) to edit episodes yes it's important to us and our sanity yes 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 (laughs) yeah so maybe next podcast episode we'll talk about those things feels uh, like a decently safe bet I'll, I, yeah. I can make the promise to talk about all stars eight by then and i, I think will, like many weeks will be <laughs> will be aired by that time yeah and i will have beaten breath of the wild i just need to beat ganon uh and then uh, I'll be on to Tatki. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to say you will have beaten Tatki. And I was like, oh, bold claim. Hell no. I, <laughs> bold it's going to be meet me in a couple months from now. And then maybe I'll say it. <laughs> How long or like maybe, you know, the answer to this because you're more you're more tapped into this than I am by mm-hmm. far. I wonder how early reviewers got Tears of the Kingdom because the game's so big. Right. Like, how long have they been allowed to play it? I don't know. It's got to be game to game, right? Some games don't take as long. Right. And I think some some developers and publishers are nicer about sending it out. I think I saw some reviews dropping a couple days pre-release. So I'm guessing, I'm hoping it was like at least a week. I don't know. I haven't read the reviews. I'm trying to not see stuff. Good Lord. Well, right. But like, I wonder for for a game of this size, do reviewers have to actually beat everything or can they like I get a vibe for the game Mm. type of thing? I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it depends on publication to publication. But I would um, guess it's got to be like main campaign should be finished. But I don't know. And, yeah. and you're probably right, Camp, like uh, publication of publication for sure. I saw um, Hamish Steele, the creator of Dead End slash Dead Endia, tweeted something the other day that made me chuckle where he was like, that feeling when you realize some of your friends have been playing your most anticipated game uh, of like the past couple years because they're reviewers and they just haven't said anything because they're not allowed. <laughs> like, that would be so wild it really would to be. be like oh my god, I have friends who've been playing this game that I can't sleep over. (laughs) And they can't say anything. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Now, Doug, do you plan on playing Tatki at all? Or... That is a great question. The Taste of Breath of the Wild was enough for you. I don't know. I'm really stuck because I... I know that I don't have to play Breath of the Wild to play Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I also recognize two things one i do still struggle sometimes to to like consume a piece of media that is very obviously a follow-up or a sequel without having consumed the predecessor right Mm -hmm. that's one thing i'm getting better at that don't i don't care as much i'm trying not to care as much about stuff like that spoilers all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um 
the other thing I recognize about myself is like, I do have Breath of the Wild and I still haven't finished it. I think it's an incredible game. I just think maybe it's too big for me. <laughs> like, That's true. And Tears of the Kingdom is only going to be bigger. So I'm just not sure. Like, yeah, I, uh, it's also the kind of thing where it's like, maybe that's the perfect game for me to test drive from the library before I buy mm, it. I will buy idea. it if I like it, you know, like yeah. that's usually how I operate is like, if I, if I know I'm going to spend lots of time playing a game, I will eventually buy it. But you know, kind of like I used to like rent $1 games from drug Mart, yeah. um, our convenience store, not, you know, whatever that sounds like to people who aren't from this area. <laughs> um, <laughs> drugs like, per- or drugs. Oh my gosh. Dugs, dugs and drugs. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Back when I was twister. 10, I would run down to the dispensary and rent video <laughs> games for a buck. Uh, <laughs> no, but now, now that's kind of what the library can do for me. It's like, I can test drive a game and then decide like if I, if I'm really hooked or not. So I'm just not, I guess my answer is, I don't know. Um, I feel like that that feels like a wild thing to say for someone who like technically podcasts about video games, but it's just such a big game. And yeah. I, you know, I know I literally just said I put hundreds of hundreds of hours into Pokemon, but that's like there's no obligation there. Like I that that I can technically stop and not have missed anything because the actual game's only, you know, like 40-50 hours. So everything else I'm doing I'm doing entirely by choice, not to finish something. Right. And I mean, I'm definitely going to play it. So it'll be covered like and also who the hell cares uh we're not professionals so (laughs) if you don't want to play a game don't play a game yeah while i guess while you're taking a break from riding a bike or catching pokemon pokemon bike yeah oh my gosh yeah are they both motorcycles in Uh, uh, pokemon Yes, uh, one more so than the other. The, the one of them is like a futuristic robot-y type thing, and that's mm-hmm. more like a motorcycle. The other one's more like a dinosaur type thing, and that one runs around, but it still looks like a motorcycle. So funny to me that they did that. I um, love it. What are what have you been watching when you're not gaming? I have been watching so much Dragon Ball, like the original. Oh, hell yeah! What like 1980s? I think maybe I think 80s. Uh, Dragon Ball. Not Z, not GT, not Kai. No letters involved. Just Dragon Ball. (laughs) When I say so much, I mean like I have watched easily over 100 episodes of Dragon Ball in like just the last week. Like I just have it on because because it's, it's a relatively easy show to just like have on and still retain. And I will say this. I love, probably because of the way I'm watching it, I could see it being annoying otherwise. I love that Dragon Ball has extensive recaps of the previous episode Mm. at the start of the next episode. So if I was kind of half paying attention to one, I just know I can pay attention to the recap. Yeah, the important (laughs) plot beats. That's so smart. Oh, I love it. good job not skipping anything. I know. Yeah, haven't skipped anything. Because it's just, you know, it's just flying. It's just Mm -hmm. on. Just have it going. Um, But this is actually new for me. I had never watched any Dragon Ball content, and I just decided to start from the very beginning uh, with just Goku as a child, (laughs) just a weird little round, cute child, uh, not like an angry, spiky man. Um, and it's, uh, it's been really fascinating. It's a very different show than I expected it to be based on the fact that all I know is the reputation of Dragon Ball Z. 
Um, it also doesn't have a lot of characters that I would have expected to see because the characters I'm realizing I know are just from Dragon Ball Z. And I only really know the ones that would be famous enough to be like on a t-shirt <laughs> or in a meme, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's been a really fascinating experience. I, I, it's, I expected to know more and I'm, I'm watching it not really knowing anything at all. That's cool. How much left do you have? And are you going to continue into Dragon Ball Z? I don't don't know if there is other Dragon Ball. Are you going to continue watching stuff? I will finish watching Dragon Ball because at this point I'm like very invested. Um, And I am 120-ish episodes in maybe, which means I'm like probably three-fourths of the way through. I think it's like 150, 160 episodes. Oh, nice. Um, So that'll be relatively easy to finish. I don't think that I will immediately roll into Dragon Ball Z unless it is more of a continuation than I expect. Mm. I also, you know, the thing with Dragon Ball that I think was successful to me is the reputation, and maybe I just wrong about the reputation, but I feel like the reputation of Dragon Ball Z is that it is like the epitome of the show where one fight takes like seven episodes. Mm. And I'm sure some of that reputation is warranted. I'm sure plenty of the reputation isn't. I guarantee there's other stuff going on that people mm-hmm. just don't uh, talk about as much. Um, but uh, Dragon Ball isn't really like that. I it, it took maybe like 100 episodes for me to realize like, oh my God, we finally reached the point where like this fight is going to take three episodes um and most of the series is not the sort of like let's jump in the air and then just like punch each other 50 times much more story driven yeah yeah and maybe dragon ball z is too i i don't know what drew people to it when we were kids because it is an action show so it could be like power rangers where people remember a lot of like the action and not necessarily like the stories or lessons or character stuff you know yeah the reputation of the Dragon Ball kind of universe is mm-hmm. look at these super powered fighters. So yeah. makes sense. So well, like one of the things that. there is part of me that would be curious enough about things that I know about that I haven't seen yet that might draw me to watching further in, right? Like an example is I know Vegeta is a character. Vegeta mm-hmm. is like a famous Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. Vegeta, as far as I know, and as far as I've gotten, not in Dragon Ball. And I'm getting mm. the sense never in Dragon Ball. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Don't know. Um, but if that ends up being the case where Vegeta is just not a character in Dragon Ball, I'm kind of motivated to figure out like, okay, so how does Vegeta enter the picture considering right. he's like a massively famous character, yeah. right? Um, or like, I've never seen anyone go Super Saiyan. I don't oh, know shit. if anyone's even mentioned the word Saiyan, you know? Um, Damn. So there's there's plenty of stuff where I'm like, when does this happen and how? Right. Um, the show also gets like really weird really fast and people <laughs> sort of get like really powerful really fast. So I could see myself mm. getting like tired of that real quick. Right. Um, I think one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised by is like most of the series like, yeah, Goku is incredibly fast and strong, but he's not a god in most of Dragon Ball uh, mm. until kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just like kind of normal uh freakishly strong Just people as opposed guy. to like i'm a god yeah no powers over nine thousand to be seen as far as i know wow got a long yeah. ways to go then i guess i know i know that was a long way of saying maybe maybe i'll watch more <laughs> yeah well stay tuned <laughs> yeah who knows what about nice. you what have you been watching 
I have been watching a little show called Junior Bake Off. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> I have not. I've I've heard plenty about it. Yeah. Um, because I think this and like MasterChef Junior, uh, they're really popular shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend not to necessarily watch a lot of reality TV that like features kids. Yeah, I can't. I haven't watched Master Chef Junior or anything like that. Um, Junior Bake Off is the Great British Bake Off, but with children, and <laughs> uh, they are one talented, but also there are just kids that are chaotic, and <laughs> I fucking very different energy. Love it. Yes, it is a very different energy. So, like in this, so there's. It's on Netflix is how I'm watching it. And there's two seasons. I watched the first season a while back and then they just added the second season. Mm. And there is a little kid named Lola and she, you know, constantly gets food coloring on herself and she struggles to open the freezer door and put the like cakes into cool or whatever. And it's like so funny because she's just like little kids don't they care but they don't care in the same way so just their like, inhibitions oh, gotta... are very different like yes. what would prevent them from acting in any particular way is i feel like less wrapped up in like social structures typically exactly so like you know shit looks bad and they're just like oh, well <laughs> that's my best shot you know that's like pretty yeah. good i'm like happy yeah. with that There's a kid named uh, Gabriel, uh, and he just forgets to put flour in things, which is like a key element in baking. Arguably the most key element in most. (laughs) Yeah. He'll just like open up the oven that has the mixture minus flour in there and just dump the flour in when it's already been baking for like a couple minutes. And (laughs) I just... nailed it energy but it sounds more endearing yeah it's it's so cute and i mean obviously there are kids who like know their shit and do well and don't have those types of things for a second i thought like shit is a funny word in the english language because it can mean so many different things when when you said they know that they're the shit or or, or whatever or no they, they know, know their, their shit, shit. Yeah. i was thinking like not possessive shit like they know their shit but like they know they're bad and i was like that's so sad oh, no 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 <laughs> yeah yeah in a good way <laughs> very different vibe that very different be. meanings yeah uh, i have a question for you are the are the um are the challenges or like the tasks or the bakes like are they very similar to what we're used to seeing on regular bake-off or are they pretty different for junior I would say they're kind of similar. I mean, maybe not as cruel, extravagant, (laughs) but the judging is much kinder. So it's got to be Liam, who was a previous contestant on Great British Bake Off, is one of the judges, along with somebody named Rav, who has like a cookbook and is cool. Um, But they are, I feel like they judge based on like context so they understand like the age ranges of these kids like lola and gabriel are on the younger end of things Mm -hmm. and like they're you know eight or eight to ten right but then there are like 14 and 15 year olds and so they kind of 
temper their feedback, I think, based on the age of the kids that they are, like, working with. So if somebody's looks like shit, like a little kid did it, they're they're not like, wow, this looks like shit. They're like, oh, <laughs> I really love the colors you use, right? And yeah. they find they're very much, like, encouraging but also sometimes being like, oh, you should have added more salt or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they like don't it, they don't judge them all the same. It's more equitable rather than equal, yeah. I would say, which is cool. That, I, li- I really like that. That's cool for a couple of reasons. One, it just feels like the right thing to do uh, yes, for children. Absolutely. Uh, but two, it's also kind of the perfect setting in a competition for that because since it's Bake Off, there's not technically a prize other than the title of winner. Right. Um, so like, I feel like it's, it's really hard. I mean, I don't know who this person is, who would be this person to like complain, but like, there's really nothing to complain about. There's no Mm -hmm. prize. There's not really stakes other than like, let's have fun and do good bakes. Right. Um, so like having an equitable judging system for such a wide range of ages and skill, feels more appropriate than having a bunch of adults in the tent where it's like, no, you're all kind of going to be judged the same way. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I was wondering, so this is not Rav, the, uh, the former contestant. (laughs) I was like, that's a surprising pick. (laughs) Um, I don't even remember Rav, the former contestant. Well, that's why it would have been a surprising pick. (laughs) 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 So who hosts the show? Somebody named Harry. Okay, so it's not um, one of the someone I would recognize as a host. Correct. Yeah, I just googled Rav Great British Baking Show. Not the same Rav. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had a great run, so yeah. I would have been very surprised if he was judging. Yeah. Um, also makes sense that it's a different different host. Uh, you know. Yeah, I'm I, I'm guessing this person is also a comedian. I don't know. I haven't looked into them Probably. outside of it, but they very much do like silly things with the kids and uh, very much, you know, play with them and all that kind of stuff. And so it's it's a different vibe, but it is still like jokey and comic-y mm. and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Sounds like wholesome fun. content. It is. It is sad <laughs> when they go home. Yeah. Um, because they're little kids and they cry a lot of the time and, you know, but they also like build each other up and are like, I'm still proud that I did this and all that. That's so, good. yeah. So That's yeah, good. some junior bake off. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. What about thinking about stuff? Anything on your mind lately? You know, I love Survivor. I'm always going to watch whatever the current Survivor season is. And I just want to, like, share appreciation for one of the contestants on this current season. And I guess if you haven't watched Survivor 44, this will be a progression spoiler. Like, if you don't want to know, like, I'm going to talk about this contestant. They're currently in the game. So whatever. Mm -hmm. So skip ahead if you don't want to know that this person makes it however far this is. Um, But... There's a there is a player named Carolyn on this current season, and I love her so much. Mm-hmm. There are many there are many people on this current season that I love, but I want to call out Carolyn specifically because Carolyn, when she hit press, right? When like when we were learning about the contestants, immediate reaction was like, oh, Survivor is casting like wacky people again. Like just like mm-hmm. people that are just like the wacky character to kind of like be a, a wild card and like mm-hmm. throw people off and say kind of like weird wacky stuff. 
And Survivor's done that before, and I don't always love it because it, it often feels like it's at the expense of that person, um, or it's just like someone who is hamming it up so hard that you're like, you're very aware of what you're doing and you're just being annoying, right? Right. Um, for Survivor people, I'm talking about like the Phillips and the coaches and the Debbies of the world. So I was like, oh, great. They're back up to their old sort of stuff. They found like their wacky woman for this season. Could not be more wrong. Mm. She's so wacky, but the show presents her like all of her wackiness and all of her idiosyncrasies and all of her um, sort of like unabashed, like kind of wild energy um, as like nothing but a positive and endearing trait. And they're like allowing her to tell her like full story, which is that she is like a recovering addict who is now like a drug counselor who. Oh, shit like through that experience has basically just like decided like I'm always going to be unabashedly me because I can now nothing else controls me no one else no other person substance experience can like define who I am I get to control that now and it's such an amazing thing to see on TV it's so cool she um she was talking she had this conversation it was in a secret scene which is just like an extra scene that's not in the regular episode that they release like later mm. where she was talking to somebody and i wish it had been in the regular i mean she's gotten so much good content she's such an incredible role model for just like literally anyone mm-hmm. um that they don't necessarily need to include everything she says but i wish this one had been in there because she was talking to somebody about like in the game of survivor and in real life people look down on anybody they deem as like emotional right if you're Mm -hmm. too emotional Mm -hmm. you are weak emotion like expressing emotions openly is like a weakness um and if you express them in a certain way like people don't take you seriously and she's like i spent so long not knowing how to express my emotions and not feel numb all the time mm. that I decided I'm never going to keep my emotions in. Damn. And it, it just provides such amazing context for like who she is and how she interacts with people. And it's so aspirational. Cause it's like, damn, anybody could use that. Like anybody yeah. could use that advice. Um, and it's just such an amazing thing. And I've been thinking about it so much because she's incredible. And I feel like, everything she says and everything that's informed who she is and how she's playing in this really weird contained environment um, is like such an amazing thing that I'm so grateful to see on TV. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And like, she's awesome. I don't know. I know she's not a child, but it like, as we were just talking about junior bake off and how they're just feeling their feelings (laughs) and the inhibition isn't there. Like letting go of your, like of what people expect of you and just being what, you are who you are yeah that's fucking cool i think a lot of people probably would describe her energy as like her as having like a childlike energy or wonder and mm-hmm. i get why they would say that but I, I i almost wish that weren't the phrase that we needed to use right because i wish more adults were more willing adults. to Ooh, like let themselves yeah. damn doug kind of do that you know but I, I get the phrase wonder. it's like the only sort of context we have for it unfortunately yeah because we crush that out of ourselves yeah Like she was so excited. She found like, like uh, a piece of a crab uh, shell or something and then like played rock, paper, scissors with somebody over who got to like keep it. And she won and was like, I'm so excited. I'm going to like put this in my hair. (laughs) Like It's just like, she's so fun. She's so fun. Nice. Yeah. Right on. I hope, I hope she goes far. Oh my God. I hope she fucking wins. There's two people I love uh, on that season and she is one that I would be so thrilled as being part of the winner's circle nice anyway you've been thinking about anything (laughs) just this book hell yeah let's let's talk about it yeah 
So uh, as a reminder for folks, we are talking about 2019's The Lesson uh, by Caldwell Turnbull. I didn't know anything about this book, even as I started to read it mm-hmm. um, and hadn't heard of it. So I am very curious as to like how you encountered this and landed on this as our choice. Yeah. So I don't remember when, but I feel like at some point you said maybe it was even in our last book club discussion, you were like, I thought they're going to be aliens. Mm. And so I was like, let me find an alien book. I'm glad I didn't remember saying that. Yeah. So I was searching for alien stories and I came across this one. And it also, from the description, it kind of felt like, um, some of that sci-fi light vibes, like Mm -hmm. before the coffee gets cold and, uh, I forget what other books, Addie LaRue, right? These, um, these stories that feel like, you know, totally possible, but there's this one thing that is different and the aliens in this are the thing that's different, but they're also like very intentionally yeah appearing as humans to people so i was like "Ooh, this seems like a realistic alien invasion story let's read this and (laughs) so i picked it and it is it's that but so much more so i'm so interested in if you have a sentence to kind of encapsulate uh this book Hmm. to describe this book sure um i would say that this is a this is like an alien first contact uh, story that is sort of explored and interrogated through the lens of a culture that um, like has a, a deep history with colonialism and uh, slavery. Honestly, I think like, that's mm-hmm. a huge part of the book. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I would present it. Yeah. That's pretty similar to like the, the sentence I was thinking of, right? The, a story of an alien invasion in the Virgin Islands that's kind of mixed in with like a little bit of historical mm-hmm. um, historical fiction, but inspired by true events of like colonization and slavery. Yeah. Um, and I did not know that other part going in and I'm, I want to read more now about the Virgin Islands because of oh, this book. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Before we talk about what why and all yep. that, spoiler warning, we're going to we're going to spoil the book. Um so if you if that sentence got you going and you want to <laughs> read this, yeah. Pause now, go read it and then come back. Yeah. Or, I mean, whatever. You can still listen to it and then read the book. Because we never talk about everything, but yeah. we're going to spoil stuff. Yes, absolutely. Okay, can I tell you? I guess I kind of yes. already told you. I know so little about this book that I started reading it not even knowing aliens were involved. Amazing. So I didn't know there was an alien arrival situation or invasion situation or whatever until it literally happened in the book. Uh, so when they amazing. were counting down like 15 days before, 10 days before, I had no idea what they were counting down what the to. before was. Yeah. And everything Ooh. in the before was so normal. Everything Mundane. was so, yeah, so like 
just everyday sort of like human interactions and real sort of like mundane conflicts, obviously important conflicts, but like, you know, in the context of sci-fi, just like the most normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I, and I, I, having seen that countdown and how quickly it was happening at the beginning of the book i was like i'm not gonna look anything up i'm not going to i'm just gonna whatever happens is what we're getting into and i was thrilled (laughs) when it was aliens hell yes so thank you for this experience yeah i mean i have I've read alien stuff, but I don't think I've read, and I've read an alien invasion, like, Mm -hmm. I forget, like, the fifth wave or something like that, right? Like, I've read some of that, but I haven't read an alien invasion story, like, set in a a very much now-feeling thing that isn't like a... The whole world is different, and yeah. now we're organizing as humans. Like, and this was written in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm not gonna lie, pre 2020, I would have been like, oh, what? The humans didn't organize together and like try to get these aliens oh out. But after 2020, I'm like, yeah, this is how it would happen. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have, I've, I've read alien stuff, seen alien stuff, but nothing quite like this. So I, I don't know. I am so excited to talk with you about it and the aliens and the characters because. You're right. It starts starts out very mundane. Like we're introduced to this family. The husband's thinking about cheating. The wife is queer and like not fully out to herself. And their kid Mm -hmm. is just like in a will they won't they with her best friend. Um, And so I was like, how how are how is all this stuff going to matter when the aliens show up? And yeah. one thing I really appreciated about the book is that it follows these different characters and does things in ways where you're like, okay, who's this random ass person that we're now talking about? Oh, wait, it's actually connected. Like they're all, they're all connected. And it yeah. was so cool to like be on that journey not just of like what happens, but how, do, how are they in relation to one another? Yeah. It's really, it's when you, I didn't realize this was a debut novel. So when you said that at the top of the episode, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. What a fucking one to start with. (laughs) Incredibly well-crafted for, uh, I mean, plenty of people I'm sure (laughs) put out well-crafted first novels, but it just felt like incredibly well done that I was surprised this was a first outing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about aliens a, a bunch. Uh, yeah. I am so interested in your it's a it's like also a complicated uh, book. Yeah. Because like, uh, OK, so the Ina are the aliens and there is a one Ina character that we kind of follow and they're mm-hmm. kind of like our gateway into Ina culture and mindset and all this kind of stuff. But. She's not like all the other Ina. She's <laughs> not so, like the other Ina. <laughs> yeah. So I felt so complicated and conflicted about yeah. her as a character, about Mara, for those of yeah. you that have read. Well, I think I think the entire Ina situation is kind of confusing and complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a point in the book where you realize 
some people refer to most people, I would say, uh, and the book even addresses this refer to their, their presence on earth at, or, you know, honestly, they're not even all over earth. It doesn't seem like, but like their presence on the planet as an invasion, but there are some people who are like, it's not an invasion. It's an arrival. Mm. And I do think one thing that's interesting about this book is we have so little firsthand content from the Ina. We get Mm -hmm. most of our stuff, like you said, through Mara and then everything else for the most part is kind of second or third hand um, that I do think it stays complicated. And I think you could walk away from this book wondering like, is this kind of how they intended for all this to go or like is Mara actually the only Ina who like seems to be down with her cause or are there other ones we just never learned about like it is kind of fascinating in how I mean I think the fact that earth doesn't all band together to come up to a decision allows for the room to have this be like a weird complicated situation it's like an occupation but it is in so many ways seemingly and i i'm hesitant to even say this in the context of an occupation but it is seemingly from some perspectives particularly like derek one of our protagonist perspectives Mm -hmm. like a quote peaceful occupation right which is weird interesting because the ina like their whole thing is if I perceive any threat from a human human against me, even if it is something like a child, um, I forget what Tony does, throwing a rock or... Oh, he like hits somebody with a stick. Right. Tony's neck gets snapped by an Ina because he hit her with a stick. And Tony yeah. is a child when this happens. So like yeah. the Ina respond to any threat with extreme violence. And there's their view of violence is so interesting because there was a moment later on where this character, Okaius, um, who is, I think, one of the more violent Ina, not all of them are as extreme as him, um, but he's like talking about, you know, I'm going to kill this person quick because that's the best way. And then Mara's like, but what if we didn't kill people? Right. Just what if, at what all. If that was the best way. Right. <laughs> what if the choice wasn't quick or slow? <laughs> what right. if the choice if was not. do or do not? <laughs> yeah. And so it's so interesting. Um, and I feel like part of it, I listened to an interview with um, Caldwell Turnbull and he was talking about how he he loved Buffy growing up and he's like, he was thinking, you know, when he was younger, you know, people must not be paying attention to this town about what's happening there or caring about what's happening in this town because it's an isolated community. And as he got older, he's like, no, that's like a, a, a middle-class white suburb. People would care if a hell mouth opened up, you know, in that town. (laughs) But if, if something were to happen in, he's from the Virgin Islands in my like town, people wouldn't care. They'd allow it to happen, which is totally what happens in this novel, right? The aliens Mm -hmm. come and because it's in the Virgin Islands, we're just going to let them stay there and be this violent and not try to curb the violence at all. We're going to say it's okay. Yeah, they even talk about that where they say, like, as usual, the United States is willing to just, like, be hands off when it would be inconvenient for them to be hands on. Right. 
Yeah. I, I'm Spoiler alert. I really liked this book. It made me think a lot and also made well, me yeah. feel so uncomfortable because um, mm-hmm. there is so much violence in this. Uh, and Mara, who is – so the Enar are also super strong. I was so kind of taken aback when Mara – so Mera arrived on Earth long before the rest of the Ina did and arrived on Earth when slavery was like in full bloom in the Virgin Islands. And she uh, like took on the role of somebody who was enslaved. And there were some times because like they tried to kill her, but like it wasn't working. So she had to pretend to be dead. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is how... How interesting this must be to like be this being to see this stuff happen, knowing you could fucking kill everybody here. Yeah. Uh, but having to like lay low for your like higher purpose of why you're there. It's like uh, a twist on the sort of like vampire, like um, immortality mm. thing. You know what I mean? Where like some vampire stories really explore what it means to live multiple lives over the course of human history. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those cases, it's usually like, we just have to protect ourselves. In this case, like she's willingly putting herself on Earth to do research um, and like prepare for, I guess, potential arrival. Although she seemed a little surprised when it happened. Um, so like, it's like a fun, fun is not the right word for the context of this, but it isn't a fun twist from the literature side of things to tell that type of story this way, as opposed to just like, you know, I'm, I, I just have to not be found. Like, obviously mm-hmm. she can't be found. Obviously she's still surviving, but the stakes aren't the same. Like right. she, like you said, can kind of survive anything. Um, and she has, um, in, in an, in a strange way, like she has control in all, any situation she's kind of in as long as she's on earth, which mm-hmm. is a weird thing to juxtapose with being a slave in the slave trade, mm-hmm. you know, at the height of the African slave trade. Yeah. Yeah. When they started getting into a lot of the like U S Virgin Island history, and then also getting into like some of the specifics from the african side of the slave trade with regards to like different peoples from africa as they operate in the virgin islands and see each other and treat each other Mm -hmm. that was so fascinating to me not because i didn't know that obviously that would be the case but because i've literally never consumed any media that treated Mm -hmm. it the way that this book does like, I feel like as a white person growing up in the Midwest of the United States, like we learned about the African st- slave trade, obviously, but never from the perspective of African people. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, so much of it ended up being like, okay, here is the experience of slaves in the United States, or here is it presented obviously through like a white American context and all that sort of stuff. But like the Africanness is almost always stripped away, at least from like what I feel like we learn mm-hmm. in the United States. And so, it was cool i guess yeah to have it be just like a matter of as it would have been like a matter of fact part of um sort of the story which is like which language do you speak from africa which tribes were you from from this part of africa you know yeah so i had a similar educational experience right where very much the context you talked about. And in the interview with Caldwell Turnbull, he talks about like, he got a little bit more, but not a ton. And so he did a lot of like historical reading mm, I was into, wondering about that. Um, 
into what happened and different accounts uh, that went deeper uh, than what he knew. And so he's like, I found out so much more about this place that like I come from and wanted to like insert this into the book and that it was like, I don't know, like I feel like especially when we learn about slavery in the U.S., we learn it very much from a white perspective that tries to minimize the violence, that tries to minimize the people who are fighting against it. Mm-hmm. And there was such a large part of this book that was like, here's how violent it was. And here's how people fought against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I super uh, appreciated that and was like, holy fuck, I want to read more about this because yeah. I have not gotten much of it. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly know next to nothing about the u.s virgin islands which is a bummer because it is technically part of the united states in our structure right Mm -hmm. and i don't say that because i feel like it should or shouldn't uh probably shouldn't (laughs) but it's a shame because anything that's not part of the like uh 50 states or whatever um or washington dc like the i feel like the united states just largely ignores even Mm -hmm. though technically they've made themselves responsible in part for the well-being of that place right yeah so it's like a bummer that we don't know any of that stuff whether we should whether that should be part of the united states or not um or what that complicated history is um Like, I just don't know anything about it. Like, I feel like the only thing outside of the 50 states I know anything about is Puerto Rico. And I know that there's so much, there are so many other territories that we just Mm -hmm. never hear about or never learn anything about. What's so interesting about all that being in this book in particular, though, is the fact that it is coloring this alien invasion, alien arrival, alien colonialism, question mark, story, um... Because, I mean, obviously the parallels are meant to be drawn and you're meant to sort of like ponder on the similarities and differences between the two Mm -hmm. circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, it was such a mind fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) Because I don't think it's an easy parallel. Right. Like, I think the types of things that I, you know, my first reaction is like, oh, this is so interesting. This is a parallel. They're talking about slave uprisings and slave revolts. And, you know, eventually we get to a point where humans, uh, specifically humans in the U.S. Virgin Islands who are descendants of of Mm -hmm. slaves from the slave trade are now revolting against these aliens. Right. Um, But it's not as simple as that, because. As, as it is sort of told to us, the Ina don't come to Earth in the same way that Europeans came to Africa and North America and South America and just immediately ravaged everything. You know what I mean? Like, they came arguably with a different purpose and with a particular timeline, whether that's to be believed or not. Um, and... I, I don't know. It, it, it's I feel like it's more complicated than just it being one-to-one well it made me the ina and like their kind of code of ethics minus mara and maybe a couple of the people that she was able the couple of the ina that she was able to get to help her with saving yeah they do reference that there are others right i i feel like a lot of it it reminded me of like police and like mm. any sort of threat, I'm going to respond with extreme violence um, and I'm not going to be held accountable. And it's your fault because you're the one who did this thing. Right. So very, yeah, it like that kept popping into or my military mind. occupation. Like yeah, that, I mean, it, it 
super felt like that where it's like yeah you can live your everyday lives as long as you don't question anything don't step out of line don't say the wrong thing because if you do we'll just kill you right and like but sure you can live a regular life go for it right yeah (laughs) keep doing your thing but don't step out of line or we will rip your limb from limb uh right there's no coexistence there right? right like that is a power differential but absolutely yeah and like one of the things that like so Mera's an ambassador to Earth and like was on Earth and I think maybe regrets getting the rest of her, like the rest of the Ina that came to come, right? I feel like she's like, oops, wish I didn't maybe do that. But I would say so, yeah. Um, the one person who's kind of in charge, uh, Ohim, who like she reports to, uh, there is a moment. So it's called the lesson. And, you know, whenever anybody asks the Ina for like pretty much the whole time they're there their response Mm. is like we're here to teach a lesson right but we're not going to say what that lesson is and we're not going to give any hints um and then or i mean i guess we are going to give hints because there were a couple different lessons that i remember and like wrote down as coming up the one from ahim was that like the ina are gonna fucking survive anything we are going to destroy whoever whatever we are going to continue to survive which i guess is the lesson they were teaching by any sort of threat let me fuck you up and murder you and so it's just like so interesting to have that and then to have mara's research was it supposed to be like well how to live forever here's my question well okay yeah so there's a couple things right I think Mara's research, I don't, th- I think she was extending research that the Ina have, had already been doing forever. They, they don't necessarily worship a God or acknowledge a deity, but they do, uh, have this, uh, principle and pursuit of knowledge that permeates all of their philosophy and, and whatever, right. Called, I think, what is it? E, uh, Enolta or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is basically immortality, eternal life. I think that they have basically achieved that through a couple means, uh, primarily through the reefs. I mean, mm. she is essentially immortal because the Ina invented, discovered, whatever, something called reefs, which are just, I mean, essentially like super intelligent microorganisms uh, that can heal, that can control people. It's it's like if you took the force and decided that it was like uh, microorganisms instead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of it kind of has the same effect. Um, uh, I guess minus the pushing part, <laughs> <laughs> like it protects them physically and they can kind of control people. Um, and I think that they, it seems like they had effectively already achieved that. And then the other, the other side of that coin is, okay, well, we can keep our individual selves alive forever. The problem with that is that our planet will run out of space. Mm-hmm. So like the other side of that, I do think seems to be interplanetary colonialism, right? Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is I don't think that the interplanetary colonialism necessarily relies on finding other intelligent life. And that feels like what Mira regrets, right? Because was it Ocaius who was like, I've been to hundreds of worlds and I've encountered two intelligent species. Yeah. You went to one planet and found one. And it's like the most complicated, like, ex- ex- like example of life we've ever found on a planet. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I don't think it tells us if it, if like, they rely on finding that intelligent life or it is like convenient or what? Like 
can they only take advantage of planets that do that? Are they just researching? They keep talking about this five years, like we'll only be here for five years and we'll get out of your hair. Is that a lie? Is that the truth? I don't know. Also like, I'm talking about surviving this black prison, even if we have to stand on the bones of every dead thing in existence. Yeah, fucking intense. I mean, it's intense, but like, and and they're definitely violent. Um, Like, there's no doubt about that. But like, what did they come to Earth to do if not actually research? Like, if the research is a front, what did they come to do? Were they actually colonizing the planet? Because in the scope of the time we have in the book, which is about five years, they never go beyond the U.S. Virgin Islands that we know of. Right. It's not. There's never a war with the Ina on behalf of the planet or any other country. Right. So, like, what were they doing? Yeah. Or was it, like, multi-purpose, right? Was, like, Mara actually there for research, but then others... I trust Mara. I I feel like she was there to do research and exp- like extend her research and expand on what she had learned because it does seem like she had learned even more than what they culturally or societally know, right? Like she seemed to have a more advanced control over the reefs. She had a better understanding of all of them. I don't know if that's because she spent more time on a planet that had such rich biodiversity. Mm. I think that's maybe the implication. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if that was like necessary or part of the plan. It could be because Ocaius is seems pissed or resentful that she found this planet and not him. So maybe they were seeking it out. But like, I, I feel like at least in the beginning, it is presented to us um, as we're going to come to your planet. We're going to learn as much as we can. And then we promise we'll be out of your hair. Right. I just don't know if we can trust that or not. I'm not sure. Right. Will they be back uh, type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Me either. Neither do the the humans in this book. I know. It's wild. It was really interesting, too, with Mara's, uh, like, further research and kind of keeping it to herself. I don't, I didn't, I mean, I didn't understand because it's like, you know, alien technology. But when she melts Ocaius, that was so oh. wild. And then punches him in the face. I think I know what they were trying to communicate. I think based on what she was talking about or like how it was being described, I think she essentially, because they talked so many times in this book about like curing diseases that humans Mm. have been trying to cure forever. Mm -hmm. One of them is cancer. Cancer. As far as Mm -hmm. we understand, I think she essentially gave him like a rapid expedited form of cancer because what she did was like, she, I think she like increased the production of, I can't remember what they were called, but it's basically the thing that tells your body to destroy cancer that ends up destroying itself. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what she did to him. It was fucking intense. Uh, It was something about the temperature was rising inside his body. So I was imagining like this fiery feeling attack within, and then like they're going to leave this one part open and i'm guessing it was his brain because then she punched him in the face <laughs> yeah. and his like face caved in and his brain oh my god the, the descriptions of violence were so intense and like yes. they feel you know what's interesting is like i feel like anytime you encounter a piece of media that has like such graphic violence the natural question is like is this does this feel like necessary or gratuitous what's interesting is like if you just took the descriptions of violence from the present day stuff in this book i think it would be so easy to be like oh my god it's like kind of gratuitous to like describe the shards of his skull like stabbing into his brain 
but when you when you present that in the context of a country um that was part of the african slave trade and then tell stories from that time mm-hmm. it really like grounds you and reminds you like oh like what we might consider We're gratuitous violent. violence was just fucking realistic like that yeah. just was reality yeah um and so it's interesting how that almost like it didn't temper it. I was still shocked every time something happened and was described in the way that it was. Yeah. But I couldn't have sort of like the shocked clutching pearls reaction that sometimes you might in another property that's not having as serious of an interrogation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've been reminded um, multiple times throughout this book that like this isn't that different than the shit that. We did to yeah. each other and I continue know, to do like, to each other. An alien invasion where the aliens are very much human-like and how they treat one, like treat humans, right? Yeah. Like, let me just fuck y'all up. Let me take what I need. Uh, and then let's GTFO um, yeah. as soon as shit gets a little, as soon as people start pushing back a little yeah. more. Let's destroy a bunch of men and boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They also... With regards to the violence, um, and we can definitely circle back to some of that stuff that you were you were talking about for sure. But like, with regards to the violence, they never present it this way. But for some reason, when I was reading this book, I maybe because it's often part of like um, you know alien stories and and, mm-hmm. and invasion hypotheticals and stuff like that. But like, I couldn't help but think of like you know the Ina basically say you know what we respond to any sort of threat even if it's small with extreme violence it's how we're programmed right and for some reason i couldn't help but think about like the way that humans react to animals and pests and things that we deem mm. not people or oh. like um things that like living things that we deem as like lesser forms of life on earth and i was thinking about like like most bugs that aren't like, you know, destroying your home or whatever, um, that aren't presenting any sort of existential threat or danger, you know, obviously all caveats apply. Like a lot of times our reaction is to respond with extreme violence, which is to kill it. Right. Mm. Or like even just like regular pests or like animals outside or, or whatever. And the reason I was thinking of that is because oftentimes like the hypotheticals of, of alien life finding us is that, in order for them to find us, yeah. they have to be such an advanced form of life that maybe they just view us as bugs or the way that we view animals mm-hmm. that we consider not intelligent. And at yeah. first I was thinking that just cause I was like, Oh, you know, I wonder if this is where it's going to go. But then I just started like turning inward and being like, fuck, we do that. Don't we, <laughs> we kind of respond <laughs> to other life on earth the same way that they're responding to us. Right. I don't know, which also provided an interesting context for a lot of their violence. Yeah. And some of us, even who are human, right? Who do we deem as human, oh, even when we sure. are human, right? So, yeah. Especially Lots in the of context layers. of all those, like, slave history, uh, right. you know, yep. that they were exploring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I am interested in hearing um, your kind of... So, Derek, you mentioned Derek. Yes, as one of our protagonists, I'm interested in your reaction to Derek. Derek, I think, is a fascinating character because I think, at least for me, Derek, I think, is a, a very relatable character and a mm-hmm. sympathetic character in the sense that, like, I understand somebody who is fascinated by the idea of 
making contact with another form of intelligent life. And I, I know that there are people who would be like, no, everybody, this is an opportunity. I mean, like anytime you listen to or read or consume any content that talks about hypothetical situations of contact with other intelligent life, right? I just listened to a podcast recently that deals with like SETI and METI, which are two different organizations that like try to come up with like ways to either contact or react to (laughs) intelligent life in the universe. Hmm. And it's really complicated and people have really strong feelings about like whether we should even be trying or not. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of all the implications. So I know that there are people who would be like, this is exciting and I don't necessarily blame him, but there's also the complication of this story is being told in the context of these U.S. Virgin Island slave narratives, and one of the things they talk about in that, like in the book, is the fact that at least one revolt was squashed by the help of freed slaves. And so, Mm -hmm. like, everything gets so much more complicated with those two stories intersecting with each other, because it's hard not for me to then be like, is Derek actually like a huge problem here. Like is Derek right. actually like yeah. un- unintentionally or naively or willingly ignorant to his role in the violence that in the Ina are committing against human beings? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, I feel like he has that very same kind of thing. Cause there's a moment, it might be towards the end where they are going to kill all the men and boys on the island Mm -hmm. where Derek is like, what have I done to prevent this? Or even Mm -hmm. maybe when they bring up like Tony or something, right? Like I am in effect doing nothing to prevent violence against like my people. Am I helping like the Ina by being this ambassador or liaison to Mara? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like he struggles with that too. And I struggled with it too, but I'm like, he's already in it. And so now he's already othered. So where else could he go? I mean, at the end he tries to, to save men and boys more, which I was so, I was hoping those three guys who are like, where are you going? Can we come? And Derek's like, yeah, let's actually do that. Here's a couple less from that 25,000 people dead total. That would, yeah. what happened? Uh, do you have any cousins or nephews that like we can fit? And I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be good. Like there's going to be some redemption. And I was like, oh, man, as soon as they started to like really talk about the gun and Uh, omari or whatever doing stuff i was like fuck no this everyone's gonna die (laughs) and they did and i was like uh can't we have one nice thing it's it's the thing though is like it's incredibly bleak but like it's so easy to draw the parallel again right like i'm sure i'm not sure i can imagine a scenario and that's all i can do uh a scenario where freed slaves thought that they were helping because if we have peace then we can eventually figure it out. You know what Mm. I mean? Mm -hmm. And like peace cannot be achieved as long as people are revolting. Right. Right. And like, I get where that I, I, I don't agree, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I could see where that might come where that sort of idea might come from. And I can then see where someone like Derek is um, going to find hostility from both the Ina and the humans, because it's like, well, what are you actually doing here? You know? Yeah. Like, 
who are you actually supporting here? But yeah. I think what's so complicated is that because Mara and Derek are a couple of our protagonists whose goals are explicitly to find peace between these two peoples, it's hard to condemn them because it's like, right. yeah, I also want peace. I get it. Like, yeah. I, I guess I agree with your your with what you want. I just don't know if the way you're How going you about there? it is actually right. as productive as you think. Yeah. I don't know. I do have one last. <laughs> I love how complicated it is. it is. It is so complicated. And speaking of complicated, at the end, so Patrice, uh, yeah. Derek's friend slash they dated for a year. She mm-hmm. goes to pit, comes back oh, pregnant, uh-huh. has a baby. And then Lee, who is Derek's sister, who we haven't really talked about at all yet. And Patrice are essentially kind of sisters now because Aubrey, this is also complicated if you haven't read it, um, who is <laughs> Patrice's mother um, and her current partner, Alice, kind of like adopt Lee yeah. in addition to like getting Patrice to stay. Mm-hmm. And so they have, uh, Patrice has her baby because there's there's a couple time jumps of varying kind of lengths. And after we see the start slash uh, it sounds like end also it was a very quick mass murder of men and boys. There is a jump um, in a year, I think. So Patrice has her baby. Lee is living with uh, Aubrey and Alice. And uh, the baby is a little, a couple months old or something. And the baby's middle name is Derek. So Lee, mm-hmm. who is Derek's sister, calls the baby Derek Jr. or Derek or something, right? Lil Derek. Lil Derek, there it is. <laughs> and uh, also is like, this baby's weird. And yeah. we find out Patrice gets left vials of mm-hmm. reefs from Mara? That's, that's the, my understanding, yeah. And does she give them to Lil Derek? So I think I think it's unclear. I think it's left ambiguous because she says something at one point where she says that De- Lil Derek always seems to know when people are around, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they're making noise, whether there's any touch involved, anything like she calls it. I, I think she refers to it as like perceptibility. And she says that he doesn't have normal perceptibility. Um, and, and that that thing that he seemingly can do is she like making it up is it real if it is real like is it just that he's an incredibly aware baby or she says hopefully it's not a sign of something else right and i'm i'm guessing my first thought was like wait a second is the dude that she hooked up with like actually an ina but then they talk about the um the sort of like set of reef uh, reefs whatever that stuff that she was left yeah, by mara the vials um and i was like oh wait a second so like has she been using this as medicine like I, I don't even know if it was abundantly clear or clear at all if patrice had yet engaged with the vials at all because like yeah i think the instruction is you know if you the want you, you can basically do what i did like you can you can live immortally you can you can be healthy forever you can make sure that your baby is healthy and the people you care about are healthy like you can practice and learn to control the reefs in the way that i did um but i don't know if she had decided to engage with it or not Mm. i don't know also it is i do think by the end of the book because of what happens to the men, the massacre of men, like the fact that they're able to massacre 25,000 men, uh, 
in basically a night, mm-hmm. um, the way that they were able to do it, the only way they were able to do that is basically because at least everybody in the U.S. Virgin Islands seemed to already be, for lack of a better term, or maybe perfectly appropriate term based on what happened to them, infected by reefs. Yeah, because they there were some people who I think like willingly got treatment from the Ina who took sure. on uh, reefs. I think maybe even Mara at first like s- sends reefs to Derek without Derek's consent via um, kiss. Right. And Jammy, who was a random character we were introduced to, who then comes into play. Oh my At gosh. the end of the book, uh, Jamie's like this <laughs> weed farmer yeah. and cockfighter cock guy who's got a Ina lover and it, like his backyard goes up in flames. His rooster, mm-hmm. his prize rooster, uh, like flies away, <laughs> who also comes back. I know, great name. Who also comes back at the end of the book in Aubrey's yard, I think, for a hot mm. second. Um so we just get this random ass chapter about Jamie, a very short chapter. Yeah. Then end of the book, the spit of Ina Ugh. saved them, uh, saved some of the men from being choked, uh, which was yeah. fucking intense. So like one of our main characters, Jackson, who is Patrice's dad um, and the ex of Aubrey, uh, is like he spills his spit drink that oh Derek gives him on his lap and then is like on the beach to get taken off the island. And because he didn't drink the spit drink, starts to choke. And then fucking here comes this guy. Let me spit in your mouth. And we find <laughs> out it's Jammy. And Jammy's able to spit in people's mouths because he was like in a, a sexual relationship with an Ina. And I was like, what the fuck? What a random, I mean, masterfully crafted, but so many like little random pop-up things like that, like with Graham too and Henrietta. Um, so there's there was just so much. Um, and like, especially about medical, medical stuff and not trusting the medicine because there's also a history. And Henrietta, I thought was going to be a reference and maybe is to Henrietta Lacks, who's like cells got taken and live on forever a black woman who was taken advantage by the medical system you know the treatment that a bunch of black men got that Mm -hmm. was actually like um oh man what was it some sort of disease shit i really can't remember it was some sort of disease they were telling being told they were getting treated and would be healthier but instead they were made sick and so i was like oh there's like these levels of medical taking advantage of people um and like power and here's a group that we can experiment on and so all of these things were going on in my mind um and all these again all these little connections of things popping up and then playing a part later i didn't see any of any of this coming yeah couple thoughts first thought I know that was a lot. I threw no, no, no. I, that's, I just no, stream that's of good. consciousness. No, that was amazing. Um, first thought, uh, I suspect that the Venn diagram of like hyper conservative anti vaxxers and people who read this book is two separate circles, and I'm mm. glad for that. 
<laughs> because mm-hmm. the inconvenient timing of like this book coming oh, yeah, out right before the pandemic yeah. and like the really weird narrative that like vaccines are actually micro robots that the government will be able to use oh. to like control your body and i was yeah. like oh my god this is like a weird coincidence that i know is not meant to be part of or i hope but i'm, I'm pretty confident is not meant to be part of, <laughs> of this narrative right. um right. But that was one thought. Um, the other thought is masterfully crafted, yes, but I wanted to die during the entire time <laughs> the they spitting. were talking about spitting in each other's mouths, <laughs> drinking spit. Like when when he presented the cup and someone was like, what is this spit? I was like, please, God, Don't let, let this spit. just be something that looks like spit and yeah. isn't spit. And then when later on when they kept talking about like spitting in mouths, I... That is something that I just like, it just, oh, it makes me want to die. I, oh, <laughs> oh, the thought of like drinking spit. I'm just like, oh my God. I know that there's spit in my mouth constantly, but, right, but the idea of drinking someone else's spit, it's just, right. it, I would like to perish. <laughs> like, it is, it's like, this is really good, but I'm, I'm hating everything right now. Right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but it, it was, was, it was fascinating. I mean, yeah. The fact that like it's permeated, like I know that he he was certainly confident in its ability and probably was given instruction by Dana, his his Ina partner, um, and maybe it was more intense because he was having sex with her and you know had such a a, a specific connection to her, like literally physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also really did stress like you know the 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 degree to which this stuff permeates uh, humanity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, is pretty pretty remarkable because the other thing that's interesting is like i had assumed that it had to have been what mara developed and gave to derek to spread around right um but i'm guessing that dana is one of the people who would have been a supporter of mara's cause um i don't know so i guess it does all make yeah dana was like potentially makes sense right because dana was like when Jamie asked, like, when you leave, what are you going to miss? And Dana was like, nothing. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Stone cold, amazing response. I don't know if Dana would have told Jamie that or if, like, if he heard it from somebody else. Because, right, because he ended up at this spot. So I don't know. Because Dana, to me, didn't seem, like, invested in seeing then, anything happen. But then would the... There would have to be some sort of difference between um, the reefs that were being transmitted via spitting in each other's mouths. Right. That was my (laughs) thought. And the reefs that I assumed were just kind of in everybody because of medical treatment and like, you know, physical contact and and whatnot. It it seemed like they were everywhere, but I don't know. Maybe it's the I mean, it's not made clear. It's transmitted is the difference. Yeah, Um, spit versus touch versus injection versus whatever type of thing i don't know i don't know and we'll never know we'll never know and i'm okay with that yeah (laughs) lots of things we'll never know about this book uh, or about what happens next yeah other than it's just uh really good (laughs) yeah yeah i was gonna say um one if there's any other stuff you want to because i'm I'm looking at our time. Um, I know it's one of our longer episodes. Yeah, is there were there any other things you wanted to like talk about quickly, or do you want to go to? I mean, we both I think talked about how we liked this book, mm-hmm. so I can guess where our thumbs are going to land. But I still want to know. Um, no, I mean, I think I think 
I think I could talk about this book probably for hours. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 I think we've talked about plenty. Yeah. <laughs> thumb wise. Oh, big thumbs up. Same. Big I think same. it's fantastic. And it's like a very different kind of alien story. Um, yeah. And I, I love first contact stuff, especially. So I, I think this is really w- would have been exciting no matter what. But the fact that it's told in a very different way and in a very specific historical context makes it just even better and more complicated. Yeah. This alien so, story is not like incredible. all the other alien stories. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this uh, jumbo-sized episode, yeah. everybody. If you read the lesson and want to let us know what you thought, because there's still so much more to say, we mm-hmm. know, uh, feel free to email us at novelgamingpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at novelgamingpod. And of course, if you like what we do, please rate, review, and subscribe to Novel Gaming wherever you listen to podcasts, because someone else will probably like what we do and just haven't found us yet. And all those ratings and reviews and stuff certainly help people find us, uh, so we'd be super grateful for that and of course we will be back in a couple weeks with a new episode bye see ya